Welcome to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us here at the Crude Life Week in Review. Of course, during the week, we conduct all kinds of interviews. Those interviews are available in their entirety at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. This week, we have our weekly Davis Refinery update with William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. They're spearheading the Davis Refinery in the Bakken oil fields located near Belfield, North Dakota, close to major transportation and distribution arteries. Also on today's program, we talk with Riley Sassy with Red River Company, Patrick Bertinoli with MBI Energy Services, and Pat Young with Patlock Safety Systems. Once again, my name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. I'd like to take one second to remind you folks, we do have a social media page, a social media network, actually, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter. If you go to the crudelife.com and click on the social media tab, our whole network is right up there. We got different shale plays we have pages in, etc. If you add them all up, it's 350,000 energy enthusiasts that we have in our social media network. All right, once again, William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, Riley Sassy with Red River Company, Patrick Bertinoli with MBI Energy Services, and Pat Young with Patlock Safety Systems on tap for today as our guests. Let's get started right away here. Mr. William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, talks about the Davis Refinery coming to Belfield, North Dakota, close to major transportation and distribution arteries located in the Bakken oil field. This is William Prentice. Rockefeller, you know, uh, faced the breakup of Standard Oil. The industry has been afraid to stand up for itself as, as you know, uh, withstanding all these robber baron kind of arguments. And we just have to get over that. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think so, too. I'm not to be ashamed of, you know. That's why I, I, I love saying it. I, I, I love this angle of that the oil and gas industry is the only one trying to save the planet right now. And you know me, we don't get into politics here. So for me to say that, I got to really believe it. And I do. I really believe that, especially after the DAPL pipeline protest. I tried to have three protesters on my program because I wanted to legitimately hear their side of the argument. I could not air the interviews because they were so, they were so just, we, we, we do legitimate interviews here. We don't just... Put people on because they, you know, it's it's they got a week off of work. We don't do that. I mean, it was just so. Anyway, uh, let's just kind of uh, reset a little bit here. By the way, William Prentice, CEO of Meridian Energy Group. What we what we were originally talking about was the Davis Refinery and some of the hurdles they've encountered, and that's where we sidebarred a little bit to some of the um, extremism that's uh, bled into the. Uh, what originally had legitimate environmental concerns with reclamation and some of the things the industry took took uh, major strides in. That was the history part that you were talking about before. And where we're at now is a different ballgame. And let's let's go through a little micro timeline, if you wouldn't mind, at the Bakken out there with the Davis Refinery. You mentioned the Walton down the Permian probably is going to come on a year or two after the, the Davis Refinery. And are we looking at, I mean, I know, I think we broke ground already, but are we going to look at, some footings and things this year. Give me a little micro timeline. Well, the you know the one major issue with regard to Davis is weather, of course. So you know what we're doing is is trying to weatherproof the construction schedule. 
and that means uh, that you know we're adopting a fairly comprehensive modular approach to construction. Um, that means we're probably not going to see a lot of activity this early this summer. Uh, we'll be back in the field finishing up, you know, the, the grading and so forth for foundations uh, as we get into uh, the middle of the summer. But most of the emphasis is going to be on uh, welding steel in shops all over the country and getting modules ready to ship up, you know, starting, uh, uh, well, you know, towards the end of summer this, com this uh, coming year. And then uh, the heaviest construction activity will be during the summer of 2020. And the reason for that is, you know, we'll just, um, I just don't want guys out, um, you know, essentially trying to kill themselves by building uh, stuff and, you know, working with cranes and 70 below with wind chill. And, and when the wind comes up, it's just not safe. So we're, we're kind of erring on the side of safety here. And again, I've, I've built uh, stuff all over the world and uh, up including North Slope and in Valdez, uh, Alaska. And weather conditions are more severe in North Dakota than they are on the North Slope. Um, so we have to plan around that. And that means that we're probably not doing a lot of what will be visible in the field till uh, about a year from now when modules will start to arrive on site. But until then, you know, we'll be We'll be working around on the project and getting foundations ready. Um, you know, again, weather is everybody's big concern as you start to spend a lot of money on the project. So we'll, we'll work with that. I just talked to uh, somebody today on their way to Williston, and they got a heads up that good luck getting onto the well sites. It's pretty muddy out there. So, I mean, just to emphasize what you're talking about, it's it's a lot easier said than done. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, that's, that's something we got to be careful of, too. Uh, the roads uh, can't handle a lot of this heavy equipment uh, right after the thaw. Um, I mean, one of the biggest problems we heard about during the, uh, the permitting process at the county was that during the construction of the, uh, some of the rail terminals and a couple of the gas plants, those guys didn't do a very good job of, uh, of managing the damage to the roads and, you know, that area is not real heavily populated, but when people drive around, they don't want to be running through three-foot ruts in the road from moving a crane around. So uh, we have to be careful there, and that means that we are probably going to limit our, our uh, construction window appreciably here this coming year because we have to improve some of the local highways before we can move equipment in. That's part of our deal with the county. Um, but yeah, I, I would much rather be able to get everything out there and start building immediately, but we, we have to take a staged approach here because of the weather issues. Wrapping up, any final thoughts? William Prentice, CEO of Meridian Energy Group. I'd like to give guests, of course, the final thoughts. That's why the question isn't framed by me at all. Anything we missed? Anything you want to reiterate? Or just any... Nice, you know, barbecue recipe you might want to disclose. I don't know. That's why I give people the floor. They can kind of go whatever direction they want. So the floor is yours, sir. Well, you know, I, I appreciate that. And I think I say this almost every time. But, you know, big things have small beginnings. And uh, this whole concept of a clean refinery began in North Dakota. We're very proud of what we've done so far. I can't wait to get this thing built and in operation 
and it, it is going to change the industry. And it started right there in Belfield. And that was William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. If you'd like to check out and be part of our social media network, go to thecrudelife.com, click on the social media tab. We have 350,000 energy enthusiasts. If you add up our LinkedIn, our YouTube, our Twitter, all the different shale plays we're in, Facebook, you name it social media tab on the crudelife.com plus you can access all of the old interviews etc and podcasts as well my name is jason spies and this is the crude life we can review Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we talk with Riley Sassy with Red River Company. Riley Sassy with River. Red River, is that right? Yes, sir. All right. Red River, what is it? Now, I actually, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Red River, I used to live, um, it was in my backyard. And it was the Red River of the North, not the Red River down in Texas. But the Red River in North Dakota, but you're talking about the Red River in um, Wyoming here. So um, just a little, little bit of history of the name, if you wouldn't mind. Well, to tell you the truth, there's nothing cool about the name. Yeah, we were just having a family argument, and we wanted it to be something simple. And we're like, well, Red River. Yeah, let's do Red River. Sounds good. <laughs> well, I, I think it's genius because not only do you catch the attention of people in North Dakota, but you catch the attention of people in Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah was that was that by design or was that just basically just the, the one of the nice offshoots that organically came from the name yeah I, I would say that it was luck of the draw because you know there's 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 pros and cons to all those things you know we do catch the attention like you said but then the other thing is is there's a billion red rivers online so when you google it it's actually kind of hard to find us so we've had to really work on our keywords you know so our name comes up I get that. So talk to me about those keywords. What are some of the, the things, bullet points that you want people to know about Red River? And then, you know, of course, transition that into what the services are you offer. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing is, and it sounds cliche, but we, we like to say that we care more. And so uh, a lot of what I tell people is that we don't, you know, we don't just bid every single RFP that comes through our office, you know, we, but we're focused on 
a few larger clients so we can really get in their head and understand their business and uh, bring true value, you know? It's hard to bring value to a thousand people because you got to understand them all, right? And so... Uh, that's been our that's been our strategy is to serve a few larger clients and serve most multiple areas of their business so we can really get in their heads so yeah talk to me about um, that value a little bit you know i mean it's um you're finding success in you know we used to call it the you know velvet glove the white glove treatment to where less client was it jerry Maguire even i think he had a whole movie based on that you know less clients uh, more attention towards the clients, and then he got fired for that. So you're kind of going against the grain here. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's not that we're going to turn people down, you know, but we're going to take a really hard look at whether we can bring value. And we, when we meet with a new company to see if, you know, we're going to do some work for them or whatever, we before we even approach and we look at their core values, we look at who they are, we meet some of their people and try to get to know them a little bit and make sure that there's actual chemistry. Because, it, I mean, I, I view it no different than um, if I'm just going to go work, you know, get a nine-to-five job. And i got to like my boss. i got to like who I work for. i got to make sure I have the same core values and I'm going to fit in that company. And so we take a hard look at all that because that's key to make sure that we can make them happy, you know. I know. I and, get it. I mean, it's, it's refreshing, actually, to hear that, that type of um... – business ethics and value system still is out there today. I mean, there's, uh, you know, we live in an instant oatmeal society where 20% profit isn't even good anymore. It's got to be 120% profit. And that, you know, was a change that happened in the last 10 years very quickly. And so people have become very cutthroat in business. People have become, uh, I like to call them chuck and jivers. It's a term from you know, the old 70s WKRP in Cincinnati, there was a, and this is when I was a real little kid. I mean, I'm surprised they even remember it, but there was a salesman, Herb Tarlick, who had like just outrageous sports coats, and he was kind of a chuck and jiver type thing. And um, we were talking a little bit about this before, about how, you know, the industry does a really good job of weeding it out. And I like what you're doing on the upfront side because really what you're talking about is more of a communication and a coexistence of personalities. Are they going to mesh? Because you know as well as I do that if they don't, you might have a six-month to a year business relationship, but it's probably going to end sour. Do you know what I mean by that? Right, right, exactly. We try to exercise the foresight a little bit, you know? And yeah. It's, it's, it's really worked well in the long run. I mean, because the thing is, is you got human nature involved, and that's what's, that's what, you know, a lot of these issues, we, we, we like to say that 90% of issues in business come down to people, and people are almost always the solve for any issue. But what I'm getting at is that you have human nature involved, and if, if people don't like each other, and they're forced to pretend like they like each other all the time, it's not going to be as productive and valuable as if they actually do like each other. I mean, it sounds sounds kind of simplistic, but it's a big deal. I think. I mean, I gotta like who I'm working with and enjoy their company and work. You know, at least be on the same same uh, playing field. You know. No, I get that, and you know, it's it's interesting because it's it's hard for some people to conceptualize that or visualize that, probably because they've never taken the walk before. But um, when what you're talking about is not easy, 
it's not easy because there's there's tough decisions. There's sometimes uh, group votes that might not go in the in, in the way that you want. And uh, what are some of the challenges, I guess, that that, that you've had with this with, with this mission and core that you guys have? You know, making sure that every every deal that you do you do is is a right fit. Because, like you said, this is not an arrogance thing. This is just trying to have a foresight for both sides thing. Right, exactly. Well, you know, there's always the deals where, you know, sometimes you have a deal that doesn't go how you want. You end up losing money on it or, you know, you don't make as good a profit as you hoped and whatnot. But we got to look at that as, like, we're looking, we're playing the long game here, you know. Um, sometimes we miscalculate and we got, we got to we got to suck it up and, and keep rolling for the customer, you know. I'd say, I, I suppose that's probably one of the challenges. Um, the other, obviously, the other challenges that come with it internally and externally is that it does narrow the playing field of who you're going to play with. And so, and I, I, uh, it makes our sales cycle really long. So if we take on a new client, uh, we do quite a bit of research on who we're actually going to target and then you know, it takes a while to get them on board. And we try to understand, um, here's another little challenge that just popped in my head too that comes up is that we we try to um, tailor our, uh, whatever you want to call it, their, our standard operating procedures to fit theirs as well to an extent, right? I mean, you can't, you can't tailor your business to be the same as everybody else's but we try to understand their operating procedures internally so that our our processes at least mesh and like we don't want to make their life harder um, and make more work for them internally and so we spend a little time there and uh, understand how they like to see things even paperwork wise you know maybe it's formatting um the quality control books that come with our products, you know. Um, but, so it can create a little more work, but we think it pays in the long run. Hey, then, go ahead, sorry. Well, I'm kind of switching subjects. If you had a question, I was going to just talk about the getting employees. But Sure, yeah. No, I was going to ask you where you're based out of, and, and yeah, I'll tell you what, why don't you start with where you're based out of and kind of your service range, and then you can transition that into employees. You bet. So, we're headquartered in Gillette, Wyoming, and we have a shop in uh, North Dakota and Williston as well. Um, right now, we're kind of spread out in Gillette. We've got four different shops, and we're working on moving into a bigger one where we can put everything together. Um, our basic model is fab and ship, and we back it up with a guarantee that anything we fab, if it doesn't fit, it will get fixed for free. And it'll get fixed yesterday so and that's to combat the naysayers on prefab um but otherwise yeah we ship stuff all over the place i mean we you know we're shipping skids to um colorado north dakota wyoming montana we've done work in south dakota Uh, we've shipped uh product to uh washington state even um different places all around so yeah how was that shipping kind of to Washington? How was that shipping to Washington State? Was there any issues with that? I know they've got some um, accelerated regulations on things. 
Yeah, they do. They got insane regulations. Yeah, <laughs> insane just, or accelerated. They both work. <laughs> yep. Um, it depends on what it is. I mean, our product was small enough. We, you know, it, didn't, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, if you get into overweight and overwith and stuff like that in Washington, they're obviously a little tougher to deal with. So ours okay. was more of a specialty technical fabrication for a hydroelectric plant they were putting together. And that was Riley Sassy with Red River Company. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is The Crude Life Week in Review. That's what I said, Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Then down Louisiana, give me a mojo hand. Then down Louisiana, give me a mojo hand. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Patrick Bertinoli with MBI Energy Services. Pat Bertinoli, MBI Energy Services. Thank you for joining the program here today. A couple things we wanted to talk about the Skills Initiative program that Mr. Bertinoli is a part of, as well as his jaunt over to the east side of the state of North Dakota to go to the TEDx event in Fargo, which I'm, I'm very curious to get his uh, uh, observations on, as well as the discussion on that. Uh, but let's start off with the Skills Initiative uh, program that you have going on, or our a big push behind. So first of all, how are you doing today? And let's get into I, it. I'm uh, doing great, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to be on your program, Jason. Yeah, let's talk about the Skills Initiative program. Uh, you, this is something that you've been doing for a while and are kind of, uh, you know, Johnny Appleseed of Skills Initiative. It seems like you're planting it all over the Bakken. Well, I think uh, strategically it's, it's where we need to go, and uh, I think that North Dakota is um, – got an aggressive approach to, to getting in the game on that for sure. And when you look at the state of North Dakota, we have 30,000 jobs out there and 76% of them do not require a four-year degree. So we have to do something different to prepare our youth for uh, the jobs that are, that are right here in our own state. And when we're competing against 50 other states for labor, uh, it's important that we get this right. So um, some neat things we have going on in McKenzie County and part of a petroleum advisory group, uh, skills initiative groups. So we have all the 
uh, top leadership from the petroleum companies. Uh, we come together periodically uh, with the schools. You know, you're, you're looking at uh, University of Mary, Train ND, Williston State College, and the high school. And really what we're trying to do is uh, create a pathway for these kids, knowing not, not every one of them is going to be destined to go to college. And uh, so uh, one thing that I thought was very interesting is we went in and participated with a high school on a career fair for uh, last year for they were juniors. We're going to be high school seniors this year. So a lot of us came together um, and hosted kind of a career fair just to give these kids an opportunity to come ask us questions about different careers that, uh, that we might have that they may have been of interest in. And we had literally 25 kids come talk to us um, for our MBI career fair, interested in, you know, how do I become a truck driver? How do I become a mechanic? But my biggest takeaway with these kids was I asked them all if they're having a great experience, and they all said yes. And I asked them where they were from, and they're from Texas, Montana, Michigan, Mississippi, Washington, Oregon, this is the whole gamut. And I asked these kids, I said, I just want to verify you're all having a good experience here. And they said, yes. And I said, when you first found out you were coming to Watford City, were you excited? And they said, no. So as we've kind of worked through this program, uh, MBI has gotten into this program, what's called the Cooperative Work Experience here in Watford City. We have a, a young man working for us in our shop on the mechanic side who's originally from Wyoming, wasn't sure really what he wanted to do, but he has done such a fantastic job for us. He'll get high school credit. Uh, working for us next year and uh you know we just talked to him this week and uh we said is this does this seem like a viable career for you and he said absolutely he's very excited about it but uh we're gonna use uh, this young man and we're gonna get him in front of our senior leadership in a few months just to share his experience and just so our senior leadership can see that there's value with us getting involved at the school level to prep these kids for a career that they may not have even seen so we're very excited about that, and uh, that's that's my take on the, the skills initiative at this juncture. And the one thing that I that I'm very excited about too is that after that experience with the career fair, I got with the school and the student council advisor Amy Polifka, who's a, a resident of Watford City and a native. And I asked her if I could speak to her student council group, and and literally what I asked these kids to do, and we're talking 50 kids. And uh, just knowing that they're having a good experience, I asked them if we have an out-of-state applicant who's considering moving their family to Watford City, would you be willing to talk to their high school-age kids just to share your experience and your journey? And they said, we're all in. So we're going to be working with the school next year. And this is not just for MBI. This is for any company in Watford City who may have a family in transition to Watford City We've got uh, some great kids in high school that are willing to share their experience to, you know, help that family with their transition to Watford City. And these kids would actually have a friend when they get here. Well, I'll just plant the seed. If any of those kids would like to come on this program and share that story, we'd love to get, roll out the red carpet for that kind of uh, uh, voice on this platform. That's right up our alley. Oh, yeah, I think uh, absolutely we'll take you up on that. And, you know, the one thing, too, that we've really been working hard on just too, knowing that we're competing against 50 other states for labor is it's really important that the families have a good experience when they get here. And so from a community partnership standpoint, that's not something that we can do by ourselves. So I'll give you an example. In January, we brought in a financial planner who also is very integrated in the community and helping our spouse, our, our employee spouses integrate into mothers of preschool children. February, we brought in the uh, University of Mary. We have a, 
uh, $400 uh, scholarship program for each of our employees per semester. We had those folks come in and talk about the program. Uh, we had a realtor come in in March to talk about credit building, home purchasing, that type of stuff. So what we're trying to do is educate our workforce and provide the support that they need to have a successful integration into our community. But on that skills initiative, I appreciate the the offer to have one of these kids get on the radio because I'll certainly make that happen. But in September, we'll bring these kids in um, at a safety meeting and uh, they'll deliver to our employees that if any of them have families outside of the state and that they're looking to get into the state, that uh, these kids are in position to uh, help with that transition. Patrick Bertinoli with MBI Energy Services on the line with us here. And the Skills Initiative Program, I'm really happy to see something happening with this. This is a conversation that we actually had, boy, back in the early days of this program, back in 2012 and 13. Uh, during the $100 oil, we'll just say around that period, because the one thing extremes do is it really shines a light on things that are needed and things that you can probably do without. And the one thing that came from that was the need for, um, in fact, the story we did, it was titled uh, uh, Welders, Plumbers, no, Welders, Pipe Fitters, and Electricians, the Deities and Demigods of the Bakken, because they were just in demand so much that you couldn't even go out to dinner if you were an electrician without getting a couple job offers in Williston. And that showed, it shined a light on how much these tech skills, these trades were really needed in not only the Bakken, but in the region. And then I'm finding out it's in other shale plays as well. So that's the one thing I felt that came out of that. So we started the discussion of the four-year degree versus the two-year degree. And uh, Michelle Comer, who's now at the uh, Commerce Department, she was with the ed education vein of North Dakota. I forget the new titles now with um, kind of the uh, different departments that have, ha that have changed in the last several years. But I know you're following me here, so I'm trying to uh, uh, get with this. She's been on this program before, and we had that same discussion of the four-year degree versus the, you know, say the two-year trade degree or the one-year trade degree. Um, that's really what we're kind of talking about here, isn't it? From a 5,000-foot view, it's like if you're a parent out there, the traditional way of ushering kids into a four-year degree, that's not the case anymore. The two-year degree or the skills, the trade type thing might be the better way way to go. Do, am, am, I, am I on base here? Yeah, you're absolutely, you know, and the, you know, the one thing that I wanted to, to mention too is, is that um, we kind of piloted a program here in uh, Watford in March, and it was called uh, T4, Tools, Trades, Torque, and Tech. And we just had great participation from around the state. And Kent Ellis uh, and Marilyn Kipp uh, kind of spearheaded that program. But, you know, from MBI, we actually had a semi-truck and a trailer in the event center in Watford City. But we had vendors come from all over the state to talk about robotics. Uh, we had uh, simulated welding machines. We had all types of different things. And the targeted audience was for 6th, 7th, and 8th graders to kind of plant seeds and create some curious curiosity as far as some of the careers that are out there. But that was amazing. And, and there was 420 kids that, uh, that got that message. And I had the opportunity to be the keynote speaker at the 
end of that deal. And I kind of got with the kids and the teachers and I said, what message do you want me to deliver? And it was really about pick a career path and develop soft skills and how to do that. So we just had a blast with that. But the other thing that I kind of wanted to segue in with all this, you know, the, the, the programs that we have going on, uh, and I'm just going to use my last week as an example, probably one of my favorite things about my HR role here is we bring very talented people to North Dakota. They're bringing talented people with them and that's their family members. So I can tell you just in the last week, we helped uh, one of our driver's uh, wives. Uh, she was had her uh, sights kind of set on an administrative position, but uh, she has an interview tomorrow with the high school. This, uh, this uh, person has a degree in economic finance, and she's a certified tutor. So uh, we were able to work with the school and get her in position to potentially take a substitute teaching position, which could grow into something bigger and better. And then uh, got some friends at ConocoPhillips, and they've got a new employee over here whose wife was also looking, and she just happens to have a degree in exercise science. So we've got her uh, working with the school too. But both these people are so elated. And what's funny to me is that people come here with somewhat of a planned expectation of where they might fit in, and they find out quickly that their lives can take a whole other direction. And that was Patrick Bertinoli with MBI Energy Services. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is The Crude Life Week in Review. She won't look you in the eyes, spend a time, down on reading the same. Well, I got this morning, I was thinking, hit me on down to Louisiana. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Pat Young with Patlock Safety Systems. Uh, Pat Young, uh, Patlock Safety Systems. One of my favorite interviews from roughneck to inventor to president, Mr. Pat Young on the line with us here. And he's uh, based out of Watford City mostly, has some roots in Wyoming, but just got back from Houston, Texas, and I can't wait to hear about the trip for two reasons. One, I want to hear about the uh, en- energy conversations that you had, but more importantly, did you get to meet the champ? Well, there, there is a catch to it. Oh, no, no. No, no, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It, it, it's in a good way, though. Um, so... About the champ, well, we can dive into that real quick. So what it was, uh, one of the gentlemen that worked for me, uh, Marvin Summers, he goes by Sarge. He's uh, 
been in the been in the army, you know, over over twenty some years, you know. Sarge has been on guy. this program before, actually. Yeah, yeah, super super awesome guy. Uh, runs an innovation uh, company, and I had met him in Midland, and you know, we just always touched base with each other, stayed in contact. So anyway. Uh, so we're getting into play. He calls me and we're planning out this Houston trip. And so we're going through it. And well, he goes, well, what are we doing Wednesday? And so he had, he is really good friends with a gentleman by the name of termite. And so termite is kind of a, a, a legendary boxer, uh, in his, in his own right, you know, and, uh, they're actually looking at doing a film about him. And, uh, anyway, so we, we, we get down to fighter nation. It's a gym in Houston, amazing gym. Termite runs it. They got a really good, uh, good policy. It's a very respectful place down there. So we go down there and there's, you know, retired baseball players, basketball players, football players. There's uh, movie directors there and you know, the whole spam. But, but before this, before I get into that, I had called my, my mother about a week prior and I said, what are you doing Wednesday, next Wednesday? I need you in Houston. And so she had, uh, was able to get time off of work. Uh, she uh, work, works at a Walmart up there in Indiana. And uh, so she was really happy to get away from that. And so I didn't tell her anything that we were doing that day because she's a big Holyfield fan. And so I wanted to surprise her and just make a, you know, a good memory out of it. So we walk in there. And my mom's just looking at me like, what are you doing now? Because we always try to one-up each other. And uh, sure thing, she recognized Tori Holyfield, Evander's wife. And then uh, sure thing, Evan was there, which is their, which is their son. And the event is him making the announcement of him going pro and signing a professional co- uh, contract. And so got, got to meet uh, Evan and... Uh, uh, Tory uh, Holyfield, great people. That that kid's gonna go a long ways in boxing, and uh, here he holds like twelve amateur belts. So you know he was he was he was ready to go pro, and then. Uh, but I think the reason why Evander didn't show up is he probably didn't want to take you know the the attention and the, the scene away from his from his son, which you know is really respectful actually, and you know and I don't think he would do it intentionally. It's just you know he's a big name guy. Uh, you know, very popular guy, and uh, but no, I mean, uh, but it was super cool. Met uh, <laughs> all. I remember this. Remember Booker T. Of course. The, oh yeah, I got a, hung out with him for a bit. Mom took some pictures with him. Really super nice guy, and uh, it was just really cool. Everyone was there to support Evan and, and his new boxing career, and you know, so we made some good contacts there. Did a little bit of networking and. Uh, now that's a place to network at a Evan Holyfield uh, a press conference, right? Yeah, yeah, and and the guy, and, you know, so he's I believe he was twenty. He's twenty one years old, uh, starting out at uh, I believe it was light middleweight, something like that. And uh, you know, he was just gonna basically probably just keep you know going through his career, probably packing on some pounds, and, and probably getting the same arena you know his old man was in. So. Uh, but no, really look forward to following him, and you know, see how his career progresses. But, but the, the, and the one of the better things is, you know, we surprised mom. You know, I always love giving back to her. You know, she's uh, she worked real hard for 
you know, our, my, my brother and I and, and, and my dad. So I just, uh, I, I'd love to see a picture of your mom and Booker T. That'd be funny. I got it. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. <laughs> All right. And, and so, but it was just seeing the, the, the face on mom, how excited she was, something that she's never done before. She's never even been to Houston before, you know, and just turned it, you know, being that some of the meetings got, you know, uh, shifted because of, you know, some, some health issues with some of the people we were meeting with. It was nice to switch it into a, Almost not necessarily a vacation, but a, a, a good time to just spend with the you know with with mom and the folks, and you know just uh, you know not necessarily salvage the trip, but you know definitely make it memorable. Sure. Did you get any business in, or did it just turn into a family vacation, or did you get any? Well, uh... well it, a little bit. So so I was able to sit down with Sarge a lot a, a little bit longer than we normally have really ever. And you know, go through uh, a lot of his networking contacts, and so we, which he has, you know, about what about twelve thousand followers on LinkedIn. So it's it's nice to kind of use that that content and and, and get us pushed out in, into some more areas. Uh, we will be headed back to Texas uh, probably here in about two weeks. We do got some some other deals that are uh, uh, finally coming up to date. So uh, that's really exciting. Yeah. So I mean, even though we didn't get to do a lot of business in Houston, we we, we definitely had an amazing experience. Great people down there, and uh, you know, then we got to you know make good good memories with the family. So it was it was a home run. And that was Pat Young with Patlock Safety Systems. So listen to the full length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. And that's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank Pat Young of Patlock Safety Systems, Patrick Bertinoli of MBI Energy Services, Riley Sassy with Red River Company, and William Prentice with the Meridian Energy Group for being on today's program, part of our Crude Life Week in Review. Once again, go to our social media sites if you'd like to be a part of our ever-growing army of energy enthusiasts, 350,000 strong thecrudelife.com and click on the social media tab. Our whole network list is right there. Plus, we have interviews and all kinds of different things available at thecrudelife.com, podcasts, etc. And that's going to do it for today's program. We'll be back next week at this time on this radio station. For those of you streaming us on the internet or maybe you're listening to one of our many podcast locations like iHeartRadio and iTunes, you can download our podcast there. Thank you very much for choosing us as part of your content weekly, daily, monthly, whenever it is. We appreciate it very much here at The Crude Life. From the staff at The Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice. He would never wave goodbye See it written in his eyes Train rolled out of sight Right by Hey now, mama, mine to the night Hey now, mama, hey Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years 
innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 